0: Hey, I'm Natalie Abbott. And I'm Vera Schmitz. We are sisters who host the Dwell Differently podcast. We help you memorize and meditate on one Bible verse every month. And all month long on our podcast, we talk about what that verse means, why it matters, and how we can apply that verse to our daily lives. Hey, welcome back to the Dwell Differently podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Abbott, and I'm just glad that you're here. I'm so glad if you've been here a while, I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We are glad you're here. We are a community of people who are committed to knowing God by knowing his word, by by putting it in our hearts and in our minds and meditating on it and understanding it in its context so that we can rightly apply it to our lives. Our goal here is that we would know God himself through the study and memorization and meditation on his word because he is awesome. And there's so much for us in our relationship with him. I can't even tell you, but I'm so thankful that you're here in 2024 and that you're doing this with me because that's that's the goal is that we would connect with God through his word. And so the verse we're memorizing today and, and throughout the month of January is Romans 12, 12. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Now, I know that sounds like an easy verse to memorize, but let me tell you, as I've been meditating on this verse and memorizing it and trying to live it out, that's the hard part, the trying to live it out part. It's not easy to be joyful in hope or patient in affliction or faithful in prayer. And that's really what this verse is. It's about living this way. And I would say... It's about waiting well. If you'll notice, there's a theme there. There's a, there's a whole lot of not yets. So we're hoping for something that we don't yet have. And how do we do that joyfully? We are patiently enduring something that is difficult. How do we do that well? And we are being faithful to come to God and to speak to him in our prayer life. And when we're being faithful, that means it's the same thing over and over and over again? How do we be faithful in our prayer lives? And so those are the the questions that we're going to kind of try to tackle here. And let me ask you specifically, be joyful in hope. Well, what if you were joyful even in those unrealized things? What if you were joyful in hope? What would that look like in your life? Be patient in affliction. What if in that really hard thing, and we all have hard things happening to us all the time, and that hard thing that's lingering on, what if you were patient? What if you endured well? And then finally, be faithful in prayer. What if in those long term, repetitive, even vulnerable prayers that we have, we were faithful? That's what I want my life to look like. I don't know about you, but I, I imagine you wish your life looked more like that. I wish my life looked more like that. But how do we get there? How do we wait well? And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know this is the teaching episode. And this is the part where we dig into the context and we try to discover what it is that God says to help us be able to live out this verse. So what does God's word say about these things? And typically, we look at the direct context of the verse. But let me tell you, when you look at the direct context, of Romans 12, 12, what you find is not an explanation of what we're hoping for, how we do so joyfully, how do we be patient when things are really hard, or how do we be faithful in prayer? None of that, because what we find in Romans 12 is a rapid fire list it is like bam 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 short quippy little back to back reminders of how we should live as believers and i'm going to i'm going to read just a couple for you so you can you can hear them and these these some of them may be familiar to you but it says hate what is evil cling to what is good rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I bet you've heard that before. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's just a bam, 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 bam. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And, And what we get in our verse is that be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. And we don't get an explanation of how or why, it's just a long list of commands. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? And let me tell you, we still look at the verse in its context. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the whole letter of Romans and we're going to see where our verse fits in. And then we're going to look at two specific parts of Romans where Paul lays out how we live this way why we live this way, why we can wait well as believers. So that's where we're going. We're going to the whole book of Romans, kind of zoom out and see what it says. And then we're going to narrow in and focus in on two specific passages that help us understand this sort of shorthand that Paul is speaking, because he he already has talked about these ideas before. So if you're reading the letter from front to back, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember where he was talking about this. So that's where we're going to go. I'm so glad that you're going with me. Okay. So here we go. We're going into the context of the book of Romans. It is a letter written by the apostle Paul to people in Rome, people he had never met, people who profess a belief in Jesus. And let me tell you, this guy is so excited. He wants to go see them. He talks about how he intended to come to them a couple different times, but he's always been prevented. And I look at that like, man, That is a work of God, keeping him from going to Rome. Why? Because, because he didn't go to Rome, not like he went to Galatia or Corinth, he hasn't shared the fullness of the gospel with them in verbal form. And so he doesn't speak about it in a shorthand. He lays it out for them in 11 chapters. The first 11 chapters of this letter is the fullness of the beautiful message of why Jesus came and why we needed him to come and what can we do in response to that. It is the most intricately detailed and also the most awesome sweeping explanation of the good news of Jesus that we have in the whole Bible. In fact, two of our church fathers say that it is like an open door and that when you go through the door or the gateway of the book of Romans, you receive treasure and paradise. Martin Luther said it opens the door to paradise. John Calvin said that it opens the door to understanding the profound treasures of scripture. So Romans is an open door. And if you have never read it, Man, go this month and read it. It is beautiful. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you a shorthand of those first 11 chapters. I'm going to read them all for you, but I'm going to pull out a few verses that highlight the argument or the rationale that Paul gives for what Jesus has done why it matters in our lives, and and what he's done for us, okay? So, and some people would call this the Roman's road. Um, There have been people over the years who would memorize, and I would encourage you maybe memorize these verses, because then when you share your faith with somebody, you can share it in the context of actual scripture. But all that aside, we're gonna read a few verses and talk about how Paul leads people through an understanding of our human problem and God's solution And what our response to that should be. So Romans 3.23 says our problem. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. In other words, every single human has done bad stuff. Or we haven't done the good stuff that we should do. And yet God is glorious. And we fall short of that glory. We fall short of his perfections. Romans 5.8 gives God's answer to that problem. It says this, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us in our sin in our waywardness in our thumbing our noses at god god demonstrated his love in that in that moment when there was nothing about us to encourage him to want to do so he still loved us and he said Want that. I'm going to send my son Jesus to die for that. Romans 6.23 says, What we actually earn because of all of our wrong, and yet what God has offered us in Christ. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God says, You deserve this. You deserve death, and yet. I'm going to give you this gift. It's a gift because you didn't earn it. The wages or what you earned for what you did wrong is death, but I want to give you life. I want to give you the opposite. So Christ died for us while we were still sinners, right? In order to give us the gift of God, which is eternal life. Okay. And then Romans 8, 1 goes on to say, therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, the minute that you are in Christ, when you believe this message, there's no condemnation. Your slate is wiped clean. God looks at you and he sees the righteousness of Christ, not the wrongs that you have committed. And then finally in Romans 10 verse 9, it tells us how we make good on God's good offer. It says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from death, right? The death of Jesus earns us eternal life. And when we believe in that, when we proclaim that, when we say this, this is what I want to be true of me, it's true of us. And it is true glorious and beautiful. And so that's the good news that Paul goes to such great lengths to tell the Roman people, I want to make sure that you know it fully. I want to make sure you know every single detail. So I would encourage you, go read what Paul says. But then we get to chapter 12. And chapter 12 starts in on what it looks like to live this out then. If we believe this, then how do we live? So, Romans 12, verse 1 says this, and this is that transitional verse. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is how we worship the God who died for us, who saved us, whose mercy we now stand in. We say, My life is no longer my own. I give it to you, Lord. I want to live as you would have me live. In view of all of your mercy, my life is now a sacrifice to you. That is my true and proper worship. So that's where we get verse 12. In the middle of all of those things where it talks about the body of Christ and how do we live this out and what does it look like? That's where we get be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. But like I said earlier, this is not the first time that we've encountered these ideas in Paul's letter. So it's kind of a shorthand for a couple of times he's already said this. So as a reader through those first 11 chapters, we would know that these ideas of being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer are foundationally based on the mercies of God. And that gospel is the actual source that gives us the ability to live this way. So we're gonna look at two spots I'm going to read you what each of these passages of scripture says, and then we're going to talk about what they tell us about being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. All right, so Romans chapter five, verses one through five. But I want you to hear the themes of rejoicing or having joy and hope and where that hope comes from. And then also being patient in affliction, because this passage really touches on just those two. Um, And then the next passage actually touches on all three, the, the faithfulness and prayer as well. So Romans five, verses one through five. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast, other versions translate this word rejoice, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope Does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay, did you get all that? I know it was a lot, but here's what he says in verse one because we have been made right with God through our faith in Jesus, we right now are standing before God as acceptable. So that's that's just a, a verse that sort of summarizes what we've already said about the gospel. This is good news. And because of that, verse two says, we boast or rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What are we rejo- rejoicing in? Hope. We're finding joy or being joyful in hope. And what is our hope? The glory of God, who in Christ has given us access to Himself. And because It's not dependent on us, but on God, our hope is sure. Then in verse three, it ties in our hope with suffering. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we see in this passage that we can be joyful in hope because our hope is in God and therefore our hope is sure. And we can also patiently endure our sufferings because it actually produces the hope that we need, right? It says that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. That's where our hope becomes even stronger is when we are experiencing really difficult things and yet. We persevere, and it creates in us a stronger character and gives us hope, knowing that God is the one who's going to pull us through. Okay, so we're going to go to one other place in Romans chapter 8, where we see all three of these concepts tied together. We see joy and hope, patience and affliction, and faithfulness and prayer. Let me read for you some of Romans 8, starting in verse 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Do you hear that? That's a waiting that's happening and and that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, the thing that we're hoping for. It goes on to talk about how all of creation actually waits in eager expectation for this hope to be realized. In verse 22, it says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Wow. Did you hear that? Did you you hear the suffering? Did you hear the hope and what our hope is in? Did you hear about the Holy Spirit interceding and praying on our behalf? Let's talk about those things. First off, we suffer, but it's nothing in comparison with the glory that will be revealed in us and that God will come and make all things right, even creation and ourselves. So we can suffer in our right now with patience as we wait for our blessed hope to be realized. It's the hope that this this passage says saves. It's a hope that we cannot see because it hasn't been fully realized, but we can wait for it patiently. And as we wait, we pray. And when we don't know what to pray for, did you hear what happens? When our suffering is great and our sights are clouded and our hearts are groaning, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf in accordance with God's will. This is what being faithful in prayer looks like. It looks like depending on our faithful God whose own spirit prays for us and works all things together for good for those of us who love him and have been called according to his good purposes. So this is the joy we can have in the waiting, knowing that our hope is not dependent on us. It is secure. It depends on God. This is the patience we can have in our suffering eagerly waiting for God to make all things right. And in all of this, we've been given intimate access to our God who lives in us, who intercedes for us, and who works all things out for our good and his glory. It's a beautiful message, and I would encourage you to go back and read the letter that Paul writes to the Romans. Read all of it. And if you can't, read chapter 8. Get Get a sense of this hope that we have in Christ and why it would propel us to have joy and why it would give us patience in the hard things and how it encourages us to faithfully reach out and to pray to our God. So, read Romans this month. And like the faithful men of old, I pray that it would be an open door for you to the treasures of Scripture and to paradise itself. And may your response be joy and hope, patience in affliction. And faithfulness in prayer. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, are you loving this month's verse, but you want a little bit more? Let me tell you. Every week, we write a devotional email and we post it on our blog online at DwellDifferently.com. And you can also sign up with your email there to get it every single Monday in your Monday morning email, just a little devotional to get your week started off right. So go over to DwellDifferently.com and sign up for our weekly email.